0: You're listening to Win-Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Hi, welcome to the Give First podcast, an entrepreneurial community. I'm Ben Wolf. I can talk more about my my background in a later episode. First, you're listening to the first episode of the podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to learn from our guest about choosing a company name, website, and initial branding decisions, uh, which which will have a long-term impact on your business. Uh, So since it's the first episode, just talk for a second, where did the name Give First come from? Uh, So it's inspired by one of the core values I ascribe to, and I could talk, you know, also want to talk in a later episode about where where that comes from, Um, but uh, that's Help First. And uh, that means that, uh, you know, it's a principle that basically we enrich our lives and and our businesses by first seeking to give to others, to give value to uh, people out there without necessarily asking for a sale or anything else in return. so that's a core value, and that, you know that's what I hope to be the theme, uh, the theme of, of what this podcast is about, and maybe build a broader community around that. That's the reason for calling it an entrepreneurial community, and um, so that's that uh, we bring on guests and we try to give value to people uh, that uh, you know learn tools and information that people can use right away, uh, right away when they listen. And that's the goal of it to share to share that kind of information and give value. Um, uh, so first, I hope to do this with the guests, and uh, and uh, God willing, we'll broaden that to a wider community later on. Uh, so without further ado, I want to introduce our guest today. Uh, who uh, started uh, off in, in, in years past as an analyst, a financial consultant, uh, he originated mortgage loans for many years. Uh, he led operations at a, wide, a widely divergent uh, t- set of companies, uh, from manufacturing to sleepaway camps. Uh, he has uh, is a, long, a long-term uh, passion for apparel, coats in particular. Uh, he founded the Haverdale Technical Apparel Company over two years ago. Uh, you can see them at haverdell.com. And so uh, without further ado, here is Michael Meyer. Welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, so I, um, you know, so it mentioned, it mentioned your, uh, mentioned your company and, uh, long, standing uh, passion for coats. I know I've heard from everybody, anybody I know who's ever spoken to you, know each other in real life, uh, that, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that you've been the go to guy who knows everything there is to know about, about coats and everything for many, many years, uh, but just starting this company in the last two or three years. Uh, so what, what inspired you? What, what's the what's the what's the reason for this interest over the years? That what happened?
1: Uh, well, it's a good question. Um, it's kind of I kind of fell into it um, as a side thing. Um, it goes back about eight years. And uh, I always wanted to have my own business, and I've tried many different things. And over the course of time, I always wanted to have some kind of a manufacturing business. I just really appreciate things that I made well, and I just felt that there was a, or I still feel that there is a gap in the coat market. Um, The advent of a lot of these coats that are out there, which have become very popular, which are very nice coats, but things like Canada Goose Down and Montclair with these big puffy down coats that have a big furry collar, they've really dominated the the landscape of fashion, and they've kind of changed the way people dress going to work, and whereas... About 10 years ago, you never would have seen a partner from a law firm or an investment banking firm wearing a coat with a furry collar, going mm-hmm. to work in, in that type of a relaxed um, type of a coat. The, the mode of dress for business has gotten definitely more laid back over the past 15, 20 years. Right. Uh, the corporate casual has definitely grown. and A lot of uh, people who would otherwise dress professionally feel that they could wear a coat like that Um, because they want to be warm and while it's not necessarily their first choice they're gonna wear a coat like that because the traditional wool coat that they were wearing to work wasn't keeping them warm and it's just simply you know 500 grams of wool exactly and and so while they would probably rather wear a traditional Brooks Brothers or um, wool coat from Saks or whatever it is that that they were typically wearing in the past just 500 grams of, of wool and that's it, doesn't really cut it anymore. And people are tired of being cold. And since they could get away with it, they're wearing the Eskimo or uh, you know Alaska Pipeline hooded you know fur-collar jacket to work. And it's a lot more laid back than they would maybe want. But so you, saw, um, you, just, saw a
0: hole, you saw a hole in the market. Is so it, we, that, so that, I,
1: that's correct. the genesis. So I saw a hole in the market in that regard. I also saw a hole in the market in the sense that there are a lot of really phenomenal um, new fabrics that have come out over the past 20 years that started out in the army um, and that started out with companies like Gore-Tex, which, where the patents have now become more relaxed and they're much more widely available. So there's a lot of really great technology in fabrics and in um, fashion that could be tapped into. And a lot of the ski companies and hunting companies have started to use those fabrics over the past... 15 to 25 years so that really hasn't made its way into the fashion industry so about eight years ago I went out and I bought a coat just on a whim that I saw in a catalog and it was this very very thin um, quilted jacket typical to a barber jacket which is something that's very commonly worn by people on Wall Street and I was uh, I was in banking at the time and uh, it was extremely warm and very very lightweight and it was something that you could wear in 20 degree weather with a suit and yet it was very very lightweight the coat itself was very thin the coat was very lightweight and it got me thinking that hey you know this would be a very interesting offering something that keeps you warm that's lightweight so that when you're wearing it if it gets a little warmer outside you don't overheat because it's this very lightweight jacket yet it keeps you really warm when you need to be warm and it keeps you dry too but it wasn't quite that dressy
0: Right, right. You're and looking for something that was a little bit more upscale. So was, I want, I want to come back to the to the actual technical side and the manufacturing and where you came on to that uh, first. But I, I also, I also didn't want to get too far in without talking about uh, what what I you know what I promised people at the beginning, which is also the branding side because like you know, besides knowing how you are, you know how you how you have the, have this passion, you, you know you spotted this hole in the market and and and, and exploiting it, which is you know, which is great, which is giving value to people for something that that they didn't have before. There was, you know, you had the warmth and you had the maybe the lightweight, but not but not the not not stylish together. So you have those those three things together. So what I'm what, I, what I'm curious about, though, is is that, you know, is that like whatever kind of business a person is is starting or if they're, you know, I guess, I guess for this particular question, we're more we're more talking about talking about when the business is first starting if somebody's building a startup. So. You know, I, I, I guess I want to maybe focus a little bit more for a few minutes on branding. So I I, I heard from from a mutual friend of ours who you you were a director of operations for at uh, at the uh, at the Schmack camps years ago. He he told me one time in in your name. He said that uh, Michael's always saying uh, A B B always be branding. And so, if you, why don't you why don't you tell people out there stuff that they something that they could use like what's What's the importance of branding? Why is branding so important? What, what's what's the what's a general principle of philosophy that people should be people should be uh, people should be using to approach to approach how they brand their business and and, and also what parts of their business are encompassed in, in the idea of branding?
1: Okay, so uh, it's a good question. Uh, branding is very important because as you know, goodwill is the number one item on a balance sheet. It's Coca-Cola, everybody knows Coca-Cola is associated with a great tasting drink. If you buy a Swiss Army knife, you know Victorinox or Wenger, they're associated with a great product, a great tool that can get you out of a bind. It's made well, it's never going to break, and it's going to just always work for you. And there are a lot of brands that are associated and synonymous with quality or some kind of um, uh, of, a, of a feature that they're known for, whatever it might be. Let's say if it's right. North Face and you're going climbing and you want to climb Mount Everest, you probably want to be... In a North Face coat, you probably don't want to be in some off-brown uh, coat to keep you warm while you're at the top of the tallest mountain in the world. So companies become associated with the the product that they produce, and and in order to th- there are a couple of things that go into branding. So branding obviously is is goodwill, and you want to have a great product, and you want to deliver great service, and and really find goods to customers that are buying. Your product, and that's that's right. very important. But beyond that, um, a logo is very important, and colors that you use are very important, and a website is very important. Why is, Why? Why is important that Why is because, so important? Well, because it's it's what people recognize. Um, there's an association that goes on when they see your logo. They say, "Hey, I associate that logo with quality. I associate that logo with a great product," and or a name that's catchy. Uh, people people have a hard time remembering things, so. If you, if you have a very long name that can't be remembered, and that's your domain address, it's going to be very challenging for somebody to find you when they actually want to buy your product or they want to learn more about your product. So it's very important to come up with a name that's catchy. Um, and in today's market, it's become much more difficult because in order to brand yourself on the web, you really need to have a .com presence. Uh, You have to have a very strong website. In addition to that, you also have to
0: have .biz or
1: .co. uh, Those are out there. wouldn't be my number one choice. I don't have market studies to um, say one way or the other whether or not they're good or not. But I I do believe that most people are pretty much still in the .com world. And Mm. if they're going to know that your name of of my company is Haverdale, if somebody knows the name of my company is Haverdale, Mm -hmm. The first place they're going to try to find me is at Haverdale.com.
0: Well, why, why don't you talk about what, how you came up with that name? How did you come up with that with that web domain? Like, What, what was the process that you used that other people could use also? Uh,
1: so The process that I used is uh, trolling through the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> through, so you, don't, you don't mean, of, like
0: you don't you don't mean like leaving mean comments on YouTube videos. That's not that's not what you're that's not. To. I
1: mean trolling in the traditional sense, uh, just basically sifting and looking and hunting um, through the internet. That that trolling has come to mean something else. So you're right. I'm using it in the old fashioned sense of the word. But <laughs> um, the it, it, it's it's very challenging. I'll be, I'll be sure today. to tell
0: everybody that you characterize yourself as an internet troll, essentially. <laughs>
1: secretly uh so so it's 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 become very challenging to come up with a very good web presence because there's so many names out there that have been taken already or if you come up with a great name that is available it might lead to other things coming up when someone searches for your product and so therefore you want to be very careful about finding a name that strikes the right balance of—I mean, when you um, say
0: other things coming up, you mean uh, like some criminal or, or pornography? Something? I mean, just something exactly. that you don't want people associating in inadvertently with with your name, just because it happens to be that was a silly serial killer fifty years ago that happens to uh, have the same name as as the one you want to name your uh, your business or your product.
1: That's exactly correct. And a lot of the names that I came up with. So, it, well, let me just back up for a second. So, in trying to come up with a name. I was inspired by, let's say, North Face is a great name. It's the North Face of the mountain. It's very cold, and they're going to protect you on the North Face of the mountain. So therefore, their product is called North Face. It's a great name because that's what it means, and that's what they're doing. And if you buy a North Face jacket, it's going to protect you. It's going to be a great quality good. So you want to try to find a name that has that message if you can. But it's very, very difficult. And uh, initially, I came up with the name Hawberk. Which is the chainmail garment that a knight wears. And I figured, well, my coats are going to protect people, and the chainmail jacket that a knight used to wear would protect him. So, just like that protect the knight, my coats are going to protect people from the cold and the winter and the rain, the sleet, the snow, et cetera. Um, sensible.
0: Turns- I mean, I don't know if anybody knows what that means or would recognize that word, but I guess if they Googled it,
1: Right. Well, but a with idea. a lot of names, you kind of have to really read into it and see what they meant by that name. Like North Face isn't evidently, uh, on, you know, so apparent as to what it is, uh, maybe a little bit, but a lot of names are like that. And you kind of if you dig a little bit and you see what the etymology is of that name. You'll say, hey, you'll have an aha moment, and you'll say, that makes sense. And this is what I was trying to do. But as it turns out, that name was um, it would have been a trademark dispute with somebody else who was starting a similar company, and I didn't want to start off on on with lawsuits and and on that footing so i decided last minute as i was about to
0: you could have called it by could have called it by your own name michael meyer but i mean that could also have a serial killer connotation as well so
1: exactly exactly and or you could be the comedian michael meyer and people wouldn't take me very seriously so it's it's just not it's not that catchy and and truthfully i did think about doing something with meyer but Meyer is a very common name and there are a lot of companies and then a lot of dot-coms weren't available. Um, and it doesn't have a really great ring to it and who cares, Meyer? it's my company, but it doesn't mean anything. And, and so I started to right. so look yet Harvard, again. Now? Well, I, I spent about 10 days um, and all I did for 10 days was go through uh, the internet. I was researching geography. I was looking for the coldest place on the planet. I was looking at elements to see what the hottest element was what the coldest element was um, I looked at the Swedish dictionaries Icelandic dictionaries Italian Russian Japanese I looked at mythology I, I looked at well wow. so many different That's disciplines basic. and I came up with a, a bunch of different names and all the names that I came up with well either the dot-coms were taken or if the dot-com was available then the Facebook and the Instagram page was taken or if it was a great name, let's say I made up an acronym, which happened in a couple of t- uh, a couple of cases. You type in the acronym and you get some religious connotation, or you get some um, pornography that was associated with it, and you don't want to have a name where you know a 15-year-old kid is innocently looking to buy your coat and he's doing a Google search and all of a sudden all this nasty stuff comes up and his Mm -hmm. mom accuses him of looking all kinds of things on the internet where all he was looking to do was buy a coat, you don't want to have that associated with your company. You're going to spend a lot of money, time and energy branding your company and molding that goodwill. You don't want to compromise that in any way and have it associated with anything untoward at all. So it's a couple of different things that you have to consider. You have to consider what the ramifications are of that search when somebody looks for your product. You have to make sure okay. that you're not buried in the sea of other things when people are looking for your product so that you could stand out a little bit because if you're just one of a billion things that come up, you're going to have a problem as well. And you also want to make, try to make sure that to some level of reasonable similarity, the .com is available, the Instagram is available, the Facebook page is available, etc., right. so that you can go about branding yourself because in my industry, selling garments online, Facebook, Pinterest, Pinterest uh, Instagram, those are all platforms that I use to advertise and it's very important to me that I'm, I can be very readily found. And so right. um, I really was searching for 10 days and everything I was coming up with was just either didn't have a great ring to it. Or was just um, just had some something negative associated with it, and I was really hard pressed to come up with a name because uh, they were calling me from the factory, and they needed to print my labels, and they needed to sew them into the coats, and and they needed I to want, get on the boat. I want
0: to talk about the factory soon, also. Yeah.
1: Okay. So so it, it was very hard, and and I really was about to give up. I uh, I just. Didn't know what to do after 10 days of two full weeks of searching. That's all I did for two weeks at work. And and uh, I, I really just said, you know what? It doesn't really matter what the name is. As long as there's nothing negative connotated by that name or associated with that name, right. it's fine. Because ultimately, what is Microsoft? Microsoft is not a really great name but it's a really great company and over the years we've grown to like the name Microsoft because of the wonderful products that they provide us with that let us produce and and be productive in our daily lives and that's really what Microsoft is 25 so years ago I mean, Microsoft was just a full dumb circle, name it sounds
0: like i mean it's you right. know it's 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 super focused on the name and the perfect name and the perfectly available name and the perfectly not associated with bad things name and then now, now we're coming full circle again to to it really being more about the value that you are giving as a business, uh, that that's what's really the main thing that's building your brand. That's the brand. That's the underlying core of the branding. And it's just you know, and and, and the name, while it's important, is is kind of a kind of a random thing almost. Like what you, the point you're saying about Microsoft is, it's almost like a a random appellation that's just you know that that gets associated. You know the reason why it's good is not because of it itself, but because of the the good quality that you associate it with it by the way that you do business and the way you give value to your clients or customers.
1: I believe in that absolutely 100 percent. And it, you know even like Amazon for example, so it's, it's really a dumb name. I mean it's the biggest river in the world. Okay, the longest river in the world. Right. Okay, wonderful. But what does that mean? Okay, they have every product, but it's just. It, but it became a great company and so as long as your name isn't offensive and the store exactly
0: I, I remember when Amazon came out that's oh, that's the online bookstore that's the, that's
1: the right right Amazon, it wasn't it was even, even a city. to Z it wasn't even a to Z the whole thing it became they grew into that name later and and it would just it, it, it's just a name and so ultimately it's more important to get a dot-com presence, have a name it's easy to remember that you have a dot-com for and that you can get all the web assets for um, the name you'll grow into and so at that point I was I, I really had no name and I figured that's really that was my belief that that's really what's important you've got to have the dot-com you've got to have the Instagram the Facebook and I will make a great company and people will see my great products and they'll associate my name with those great products and heck, it could be any name. It could be Scudo, it could be Lamar, It could be Giuseppe. It doesn't really matter, as long as that name is available on a .com format. Okay. And so I, I really would, had no names. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna pick the name Havdel. Havdel means different in Hebrew. And I was trying to create a different kind of coat company. And I said, I'm just going to pick the name Havdel and I just, this idea popped into my head. And I went online and Havdel.com was available and Havdel Facebook was available and Instagram, etc. Everything was available. And I said, you know what? I'm going to think about it overnight. It was 10 p.m. A long day of searching. I left my office. I said, I'll sleep on it. If I wake up in the morning, I like that name, I'll book it, I'll buy the .com. Well, I got up in the morning and I I thought about it and I said, you know, it sounds very Hebrew. I didn't want to sound very Hebrew. I decided I wanted to just have more of a generic name and I started to think about it and I was playing with the name on a piece of paper and I said, hey, if I add an E and an R into Havdel, it kind of, it spells Haverdale and Haverdale sounds very English and when you think of nice clothing, you associate English, Italian, you know, the different disciplines of dress, but certainly people associate English clothing with very high level of clothing. You know what they say, they say, uh, think Yiddish. Dress British. So Okay. So uh for me. Yeah, this is an old <laughs> saying. So um I I said, hey, Haverdale sounds great. So I went online and I saw that Haverdale.com was available, dot biz, org, net, co, and not only that, D E and dot fr, I got them all. And I booked all the, the dot coms. And uh, I got the Facebook presence, I got the Instagram presence. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got it. It was really just something that I made up out of thin air. That's also a nice the British search company from a, a guy in Long Island, New York. There you go. from Sea New York. And not only that, <laughs> the, the, um, the name was wide open to the extent that there was really nothing on it when you did a search,
0: right. So you, so you, so an organic, you're, you're coming up very high, obviously.
1: Uh, coming up very high, Nordica makes linen that has a line. One of their lines is called Haverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit out there. So it's a little bit out there, and and it's interesting. Um, you know, but it's not like when you order from
0: Charles to Witt, right? You get you get the actual shirts coming actually from London. <laughs> They're being shipped straight from England to your to your house, so no matter. It's what being what shipped from going.
1: Connecticut. Sorry. Right. You're <laughs> from
0: Connecticut. Well, you know, I want I want to get to that too because <laughs> it is an American company, and that's. That's a great branding story, um, and you know, maybe we can get back if we have time to, uh, to to more of always be branding. Like, what does it mean? Okay, that's the initial stage. Like, what does that mean on an ongoing basis? Uh, what should you be doing? What, what what do you need to be doing uh, to uh, you know, besides giving the best value and giving the best product um, to uh, to be branding yourself? What do you need to be doing? So maybe we can come back to that. Um, but uh, but also, you know, we talk. Okay, so you're shipping from Connecticut. But also you 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 know you you know, you're, 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 you're you're manufacturing in China correct
1: Correct I manufacture in China design in New York manufacture in China and uh, operate sounds the business british. we sell sounds very british and we we uh, we only sell in the United States as of now
0: Okay so how how does that work so let, let's say somebody else I mean obviously it's well known that you can manufacture for less in China I've heard horror stories though about uh, people, you know, having, like uh, have you know, uh, you know, have, you know, having having like only a small portion of what they of what they designate to be manufactured given to them, and you know the, the vast majority of it given and sold off-brand for less somewhere else, finding it competing with yourself on Amazon, uh, or or horrible quality, bad oversight. Like, you know, you're dealing with you know you you're dealing with doing something in a country that's thousands of miles away, you know, in a language that you don't understand, in a culture that you don't you have you don't understand. How do you how do you go about? If I'm a business person and I want to I want to manufacture, uh, and I want to manufacture potentially in China or in another country, how do I like? Where do you even start? Where do you go about doing that in a, in a way that I could feel where where the person could feel safe, and like they have a, a some sort of assurance of quality.
1: Uh, yeah that that's that's really the big divide that's it's a grand canyon size leap that you have to take um you know back to what i was saying initially so i had this idea to start this coat company and i made prototypes and then when i had the prototypes done and i was wearing the coats and people saw them and loved them and said hey they're great we want to get them i realized that i needed to actually start making coats and that's really that was a huge huge leap and scary thing for me because there is a huge divide between here and China um, on so many levels. First of all, the language barrier is tremendous. Um, it's not even like you're going to go to Italy and talk to somebody who speaks right. only Italian at least we come language, from We come from European languages English is not so far removed from from the culture of Italy and and from the language Believe it or not, but if you're going to China, it's like a whole of the culture It's a whole the language you're not even going to be able to play charades with a guy and and then in addition to that um, They're they are 12 hours ahead so you can't even get on the phone with them during mm. business hours You got to wait up until the middle of the night to even get on the phone with anybody who can right. speak English, if you could find somebody, and then third of all, who do you trust? You're gonna start wiring money over to factories. How do you trust them? And it's it's really scary. And and right. I, I have to say that I, I in that regard, so what, do you, I, what, do you, what do you do? What does somebody do? It's very hard, and I, I have to tell you that what what ended up happening in my case is that I I had a lot of luck because um, I had friends who were in the manufacturing business, and and I was lucky that they helped me, and um, they saw what I was doing. So this is this is the old uh, thing that we always tell our kids oh, is I'm that if, if you have a dream do something right it's like one of those things they tell you when you're growing up and and it's true so i had a dream and i wanted to start this coat company so i did something and i i made prototypes well then once i had the prototypes i wasn't just a guy with a dream i was a guy with the dream and prototypes and All so and therefore design and the design and everything, I had drawings, and I was able to go to my friend who has been manufacturing in China for 30 years and say, hey, what do you think of this? I've got this great idea, could you help me with this? And he thought it was a wonderful idea, and he said, hey, I'm going to China next month, I'll send it to one of my factories, they'll make a prototype for you, uh, what's known as a PP sample, which is the pre-production sample, and come to China with me next month, and we could actually Go visit the factory and see the pre-production sample and see what it would look like if they were going to manufacture it for you. So I was very lucky in that regard because I did know the right people, um, and right. and that that really so protected look, and, and me. And
0: maybe maybe there's people out there that can you know that you could reach out on LinkedIn and just try to you know I mean maybe an idea would be to like just reach out, try to network, try to find people, find someone that you could make a connection with who. Who who in uh, you know, a personal connection with who who has those connections and you know they could they could be like your friend. Is there is there anything else that you could think of that somebody could do if there's somebody out there that that wants to find a way to manufacture something in China, whether it's textiles, something else. Yes. Uh, is there any websites? Is there like reviews of like good intermediaries? I don't know. Is there
1: what, so what are the resources I, I that people can use? I don't know about I don't know about reviews and and um, websites. What I can tell you is this. Uh, I can tell you how it works so that'll demystify the process a little bit so while I can't get people in touch with my contacts necessarily because it might not be a good fit but the way it typically works is there are there are um, I don't know I don't want to call them brokers let's call them product managers there are people in China that have businesses where they are product managers for a living and they're not the factory they're the go-between between the United States, U.S.-based companies, and the factories. So unless you're really large, like North Face Large or right. Patagonia Large, you're not dealing directly with a factory. You don't have a Chinese-speaking person on your staff. You're going to mm-hmm. hire one of these broker slash product managers in China, and that's their business. And, and those... they really do
0: everything, meaning from helping you get set up to quality control to making sure you're completely taken care of? I mean, the, these guys do the full service from beginning to end?
1: They do uh, the full service uh, mostly. So, um, yes, they will help you with your patterns if you need a little bit of help, but you kind of have to have an idea as to what you want in the design. They will help you um, source your products. I mean more in the
0: execution you know that it's done right it's done well.
1: Yes, they have they they are supposed to have inspectors that are going to go down and they're going to review your product and they're going to make sure it's being done to spec and a good product manager will take care of you in that regard. However, I will tell you that I don't like to rely on anybody but myself and so therefore mm-hmm. you have to be willing to get on a plane and go to China. And not only that, um, I've been to China four times already. I've been doing this for two years. I've gone about every six months. The first trip I went to China was planned a month in advance. The other three trips when I went to China, I decided on let's say Thursday night that I was going Saturday night to China. So wow. uh, things weren't going the way I wanted them to, and you have to be prepared to just hop on that plane and go. And and you can't be afraid to travel, and you can't be afraid to go out there and be in the factory and. Looking at things and asking a lot of questions and making a little bit of noise or a lot of noise if mm-hmm. need be that things aren't going quite the way you want them to be going and that you need to redirect the situation. So, so that's very very important. Uh, so while you could rely on these uh, product managers, if you will, to do this for you, it's still very important to show them that somebody's home and someone's in charge, because some of them are better than others obviously i've worked with two of them so well, far
0: you, just and one last question on that how do you how, how does somebody go and find and find some of these brokers how do you find somebody or, and know that they have a good reputation that they that they value that they want to protect their reputation how do you how do you find those people
1: it's hard the two that i found i i i found because i had associations with people that were in the business and they referred me to their people um mm-hmm. that they had long-standing
0: personal connections for that
1: Yes, so it really or, does make or a difference.
0: again, you can create personal connections. Again, you can go on LinkedIn, you can meet people that you know you, may, you didn't know before that you don't know anyone who knows them personally in real life. You know, but uh, but you know, but like in the spirit of this of this of this uh, of this podcast, we're talking about give first. Uh, that there's a lot of people out there that really do live by that, and they 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 look to help people and uh you know they they see a younger younger business person or someone who's, whose business is a little bit uh less mature than their own and uh they're willing to take them under the wing and mentor them and, and help them out and you know if you reach out to a whole bunch of people that you know you're going to find that you're going to find a couple of these really nice um you know men or women that is uh you know that might be willing to help you know, so that's, that's true a, that's, that's a true but it, i you would don't, encourage you don't have
1: anybody that, that you know like that i i would encourage people to do their homework because um first of all just just to give you an idea of how this works manufacturing lead time is very long so it could be 200 days from start to finish till you get your product mm-hmm. so you don't have time to mess up because if the product comes and it's not right you could be out of business uh, for mm-hmm. that season if, especially right. if something is seasonal so that's that's problem number one problem number two is you know um well, you just don't want to lose the money. So if you're buying raw materials and then the factory messes up and they don't make it to production standards that you require, then you could end up having a whole lot of goods that right. are not saleable. That's, that's and that could be a problem. Right. So I would encourage people to really do their homework and get references. Uh, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. And again, I have to tell you that like I said, this is a Grand Canyon sized leap and this is what Kept me out of this for like a good year, pondering what I was going to do and how I was going to get across that divide. Because it's not like I could say to you, hey, Ben, you know, they make coats in Colorado. So just go to Colorado and meet with right. some coat manufacturers. Well, that's very easy. It's only a, a right. two-hour time difference and it's only a four-hour flight.
0: to do that, if somebody has the gall, then that, I mean, that, that, is, that is putting them in a much smaller population where there's less competition, so to speak. I mean, there's... Uh, you know, it's it's putting them in a, a cut above just by having the gall to be willing to do to take that leap to, to jump that to jump that chasm.
1: Yeah, but I still would be, encourage people to very heavily vet who they mm-hmm. you know give deposits to or who they buy raw materials with because sure. um, my experience has been that if something can go wrong in manufacturing, something will go wrong in your manufacturing, and so you also want to have upstanding partners in China. Who, if there is a problem, will um, take care of that problem for you and resolve the problem for you. And so, for example, uh, I I had a problem with some of my zippers. They were installed improperly, and I needed to have them redone. And and well, I had a very reputable manufacturer. Uh, my my uh, product manager was very reputable, and she took care of that problem for me. And she dealt with the zipper mm-hmm. company, and she had them resolve the situation for me. Um, if I was just dealing with somebody who out of the blue um, I didn't have a relationship mm-hmm. with, they might have just told me, you know, listen, we're sorry. There's nothing we could do about that, and we're really sorry it worked out that way. And then I would have been out. Um, maybe the coats wouldn't have been good, and right, that right. could have been a very big problem for me, multi thousands of dollars. And so, especially as a startup, when you have very few items in your in your lineup. Um, it's it's it could be devastating if you don't end up with one of those items in the lineup. And oh, so I, okay. I I will tell people that there's no easy answer and, and you really have to get referrals and, and and really work hard to vet these product managers. Uh, to make sure that they're going to be honest and good partners and then on top of that It is extremely important to go be present and to go to the factory and to do inspections and to show them that you're there And you're on top of them and mm-hmm. that you care and that you want to know what's going on and don't just hope that You're going to put the order in and then in uh, you know 90 days or hundred days from now uh, 200 days whatever it is the products going to show up on your doorstep and it's going to be suspect right. Because I don't think that really ever happens. I think it needs a mm-hmm. lot of constant attention hundreds of emails back and forth being up in the middle of the night communicating with them literally up all night and sleeping during the day so they could communicate with China during the manufacturing phase of, of uh, right. the seasons
0: right so let me let me go back to one uh, to, to one more question about uh, about your background that, I, that I'm really curious about so you you know one thing i think that anybody could see if you know you just even going going through it quickly uh, when i was introducing you earlier uh, Michael talking about you know with uh, mortgages and finance and and uh, manufacturing and uh, clothing manufacturing and you know and uh, like hardware manufacturing and and uh, you know summer camps and everything. What uh, like, what would have? Let, let me think how to ask this. Like, how does all of that come together to make you the person you are today? Or, like, how, like, is it, you know, is there something about what you're doing now that you wouldn't have been able to do if it hadn't been for all those little things on the way, you know, from the finance and the mortgages and the, and the camps and the, and the director of operations and all these things? How how did all that come together to, to make you ready for this moment, you know, to, to bring Haverdale, uh, to, you know, to, into existence and then, and then on to tremendous success? how did all that come together? What did that, what did that all give you that extremely diverse background? How, how did that come together to make you able to do what you're able to do today?
1: Uh, well, I, I think that life is a series of experiences. So you always learn from, from whatever you go through and there's always some maybe be learned. Right. There's always experiences that you have that you could garner something from and, and use that to your advantage. So that's, just from being around. I mean, that's why older people are more experienced than younger people because they've just seen more stuff. So I think that uh, in general, I I think that I've seen a lot – in, in the business world I was involved on Wall Street I was involved in finance and, and mortgages and I did run the summer camp which actually that was my most challenging job ever was running five summer camps an organization that ran five summer camps because you're responsible for you know 2,000 people on campus many children many staff members who are also children safety and and security and and budgets and and uh, health issues and etc um, so you all of those uh, experiences made me extremely disciplined in the sense of being organized um, by general uh, by mm-hmm. nature I'm um, I'm a very organized person but that also helped me hone my organizational skills they helped me hone mm-hmm. my understanding of um, how deals get done and politics and deals and how you get people to do things for you in hmm. in, in the way that they want to do things for you right, so, uh, so it's really just uh, if you ask me you know When I got out of college, if this is where I would be in my career, the answer would be probably not. But um, what ended up happening here is that I just for many of us, exactly. And 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 so you kind of have to roll with the punches and take advantages of 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 situations as they exist in your life. And that's really what business is all about. I, um, you know, listen. I'm a startup, and I don't know whether or not I'm going to be successful. I hope I'm going to be successful. I'm trying to do all the right things to be successful and to grow my company into a, a real brand name value. But uh, the the reality is is that you know a lot of businesses start up and fail. A lot of businesses start up and successful. You got to work hard. There's no substitute for that. However, um, what got me here and what landed me here is that I had a passion for something, and I always liked clothing. I always liked design design in the sense of making things that are um, practical and that solve problems, and that always appealed to me. And so, in in creating this company, my my um, Passion was to create something that looked good and that also was solving many problems. You know, there are coats you buy that don't have enough pockets. All my coats have a ton of pockets. There are coats mm-hmm. that you buy that aren't warm enough. My coats are all super warm. There are coats you buy that are too heavy, so they're warm, but you feel like you're carrying around 20 pounds. Right. My coats weigh like two pounds each. There are coats you buy that uh, aren't windproof, so you're wearing a coat, you're warm until the wind comes by and robs you of all that heat. And so my coats are all designed to. To meet all of these needs and these functions, so they're waterproof, they're windproof, they're breathable, they're lightweight, and and they keep you smiling while you're in that cold, horrible, you know, rainy day or that cold, horrible, snowy day. And, so and,
0: and looking good,
1: and looking good, and pockets to put all your cell phones in and your iPad, etc. So so I looked at all these things that I liked about so many different coats that I had, and I kind of put them into a blender. So hmm. I don't know if it was necessarily one particular experience, but it was just. Being in a certain place at a certain time and saying, hey, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to do this. I always wanted to have my own company. Um, this was the best shot I had because I had an idea. I felt that this was something that was a big gap in the marketplace right. for so many different reasons. Well, years and... of
0: feeling that way, I mean, you know, you, you were also, you know, the way you described it earlier being eight years. I mean, that's long before you started the company. So, I mean, this is this is something you've been noticing and feeling uh, for years before, before you started that. But then you had, uh, you know, the operations experience, the finance experience. You know, juggling a million balls in the air experience. Uh, you know, branding. Cre- you know, helping create companies, uh, marketing. I mean, it's uh, it, you know, it all came together when you're ready to do th- when you're when you're ready to do your own thing.
1: It all came together, and and uh, you know, basically, I I I built this in my spare time. So, um, the initial prototypes and the design and the, the thought process of this was um, very long in coming and and uh, was done you know while I had other jobs and and I just figured that if I could if I could build a prototype and I could brand it and I could have all of that ready in a box and then I go to somebody and I say hey I've got this idea well it just sounds a lot better than another guy with another idea because there's so many guys with so many ideas but that doesn't make a business right. ideas don't make a business hard work right. makes you have a something business. concrete so if you have something concrete, it just makes it that much more appealing to be able to get partners who take you seriously who can help you um, grow further and you know develop into a real business.
0: Right. Well, I really appreciate it. Again, anybody can uh, learn more about you on uh, LinkedIn, or they can go to Haverdale.com and see uh, see your work. Uh, well, you know where all these things are coming together and. Um and uh, and i you know i hope everybody's uh, you know everybody's been able to gain something in terms of uh, branding naming websites uh, manufacturing in china uh, the importance you know the, the important you know the importance of the most uh, the most fundamental aspect of brand which is which is the product or service that you're offering i mean that's what really creates the brand uh, more important than the uh, name or the website or the logo um, and uh, the name the logo the logo and the website they they get their meaning and their brand and their value and their goodwill really all because of the because of the service or the product that you're that you're offering people adding value to people's lives um so thank you michael appreciate it and uh thank you ben and i look forward to uh to talking to you in the further in the future
1: thanks a bunch and good luck with the podcast
0: thanks so much have a good one bye 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 everybody thanks you're listening to win win an entrepreneurial Win-win. community with your
1: host ben wolf